0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Gamecock Central Radio. I'm Emerson Phillips, joined by Chris Clark. Chris, how are you doing today, partner?
1: Doing well. Hope right. you are.
0: Yeah, doing fine. we got a couple of topics to talk about today, and we're going to talk about the transition of Sean Elliott to the head coaching position here. The interim title obviously uh, bestowed upon him last week with the sudden resignation of Steve Spurrier and – I think uh, Coach Elliott has already begun to implement a little bit of a change in philosophy with regards to recruiting, and I wanted to talk with you a little bit about that, Chris, today, and see what you may know about that. I, you know, I I do some work for the flagship station of the Gamecock Radio Network here in Columbia, 107.5, The Game, and I cover high school football for them. And uh, last week, I got a phone call saying that um, Coach Elliott had agreed to do an interview that would air during the pregame show of the high school game of the week on 107.5, the game last week. And, uh, you know, first of all, I was very excited to get the opportunity to go meet him, which I did on Friday. And it struck me as a little bit unusual, frankly, Chris, because no Gamecock head coach had ever done anything like that before. You know, I mean, the coaching staff is out on the road, they're visiting high schools and they're recruiting kids, but no head coach had ever thought that uh, taking time to do an interview on the high school game of the week might be something worth doing. So that caught my attention right away and looks to me like Sean Elliott, you know, has got a plan to try to make the Gamecock program more visible locally. I'm talking about in state here in South Carolina in an effort to improve recruiting. What do you think?
1: Oh, no doubt about it. You know, coach Elliott immediately did a few things that, you know, will they translate this season to more wins on the field? No, not necessarily, but just some things to help with the brand, help in-state, like you pointed out, and look, Coach Elliott is a, is a guy who we know has a lot of passion, and he's a unique coach because he grew up, you know, a Gamecock fan. This is a guy who is a Gamecock, and then he later in life had the opportunity to go and coach at the University of South Carolina and then get the interim head coaching position, so just a lot of wild, to be honest, circumstances led to it, but it's not like Just this is a guy that just got a job, and it it was just a job for him, you know. So he does have, you know, more passion than your typical guy because of his background. So he immediately implemented, like you said, a few of those things, and you know, whether it was, you know, things with the team, uh, more energy, more tempo at practice, blaring music the entire practice. You know, one of the changes that we saw immediately, those sort of things or just going out and and doing some other things on the recruiting trail like you talked about, just being more accessible to the media, uh, more visible in state. You know, even going around to a couple games where there's not really any prospects that South Carolina is actively recruiting at this time, but just going out and making his presence felt and and sort of branding the Gamecocks a little bit. And those are things that always help. Uh, I mean, I think we all know that, when you look at this team and this program, the recruiting is is the area in which things slipped. I mean, you, you know, take a look at the 2012 Gamecocks team, which I think was the most talented, and the best team, and then look at the one this year. And the difference is there's some good players on the team this year, no doubt. Um, but the recruiting is, is what has slipped. And while you've got Clemson and Georgia and Florida and Alabama and all these programs around. They have huge recruiting operations and and brand very well and things of that nature. South Carolina hasn't done that as well. So it's going to take a lot of work eventually to do it, but just taking some positive steps for the time being is something that that Elliot wanted to do, Um, and it's something that that definitely can't hurt. And, And in talking to people around the state, high school coaches, kids, you know, a lot of the high school coaches think think very highly of Sean Elliott because of his ties and, and the way he does things and what he's about.
0: Yeah, he really is a very well-respected coach and person on top of that. And I think you're right, his ties to the area being that he is a local product. He went to Camden High School, and he played on Camden's 1990 state championship team. In fact, he was a north-south all-star as a defensive end. At Camden High, and that Camden High team back in 1990 that won the 3A state title is probably one of the best high school teams in the history of our state. You know, Bobby Ingram was on that team. Bobby Ingram went to Penn State and was the first ever winner of the Blitnikoff Award. And Vonnie Holiday was later head of the Players Union in the NFL, so a very well respected pros pro, Vonnie Holiday from Camden. And Kerry uh, Hayes played quarterback at Western Carolina was on that Camden team, and Andre Carter ended up playing at Clemson. He was also part of that team. So, right, uh, you know, getting back to your point, I think Coach Elliott is very well-liked and respected and highly thought of, and I appreciated the fact that, you know, he went out of his way to kind of reach out to the high school community, maybe in ways that the staff or staffs in years past have not done, and he did this right away. I mean, the first couple of days uh, on the job as the interim head coach. My understanding is that he reached out to a few people and said, "What can we do to improve relationships with uh, coaches and with uh, high school programs in the state and he set about with a you know a plan. To go ahead and get to work on that right away. So Coach Elliott was at the Lexington High School game on Friday night, and Chris, you know, like you said, I don't know that there was anybody uh, specifically that he was there trying to recruit. I don't know that there were any players that he was there with his eye on. I think it was just a visibility issue for him, and he's trying to make every effort to make the program more visible, to make himself. Visible and he wants people to see him at these local high school games. And, you know, I think that can only help Gamecock football, uh, not only in the long run, but particularly in the short term. So, my question to you would be uh, realistically, you know, what is Sean Elliott going to have to do to get the permanent head coaching position? I mean, how much of what the Gamecocks are able to do over these last five games of the season will determine that? You know, I mean, is there a set number of wins that he's going to have to get? Is he going to have to beat Clemson, even if he does these things? Uh, obviously, there's no guarantee that he's going to get the head job, but I think it's no secret that he wants the head coaching position, and he set about working last week to try to make that happen. So, wanted to get your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know the the thing about with this dynamic with Elliot is, yeah, no doubt he wants the job, and and I think he has some qualities and characteristics to where I think he could be a head a, a, a good successful head coach at some point. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for him to turn it around and, and be able to do it and be the guy next year. Now, um, I think Ray Tanner will look at all the circumstances. Um, just with all aspects of the coaching search, they're digging at on a lot of guys. They're looking at a lot of different things and a lot of different people. So they're looking at everything from character to recruiting ability to coaching ability, just a ton of different things. And so for Elliot, it's going to be an uphill battle and difficult for him. And a lot of the reasons are things that are just out of his control, quite frankly. I mean, he he has not been the head coach here for the past, you know, 10 seasons. He hasn't been the recruiting coordinator ever. He hasn't set the course for the program, you know, that's got them here, in other words, other than, you know, coaching the O-line, contributing to play calling, and, and recruiting O-line. Th- those are the things that he's done. Those have been his responsibilities. So... You know, it's tough to hold him responsible for whatever happens going forward to a degree. Um, And to answer the question, you know, yes, he would have to win several more games this year right off the bat. And that's going to be tough because look at the schedule, you know, at A&M, at Tennessee, Clemson and Florida at home, the Citadel. Lots of very difficult games remaining on the schedule. So that's going to be tough right off the bat. I think he'd have to win several more games, um, and be Clemson, and, and that'd be number one. But that even that on by itself wouldn't be enough. You know, I think they'd have to he'd have to have an outstanding plan that just blows the administration away. That you'd have to have sort of a clear vision for staffing, clear vision for recruiting going forward because as we mentioned on GameCock Central before, the recruiting angle is going to be a huge aspect to this coaching search because you have to bring talent in tier program to to be able to win consistently and win in this conference and so you know he's going to have to have a plan for that Um, they may have to have some more success on the recruiting trail this year which is going to be you know difficult given the circumstances with assistants who are working on contracts that are expiring uh, early next year um, with coaching you know head coach in limbo with the you know the team not off to a great start in this season also so, a lot of factors, and again, many of them out of his control. But, you know, you never know what'll happen. But my point is, it's not even enough to just look at it and say, okay, if he wins this number of games, then he'll be the guy. Or if he wins this number of games, he'll have a great shot. Because it goes beyond just wins and losses. But. Um, he'll also have to win several games and and probably beat Clemson to to be in that conversation.
0: This is Gamecock Central Radio. I'm Emerson Phillips, joined by Chris Clark. And, Chris, I I did speak with Sean Elliott last week, and I want to let you hear a little bit of our conversation that aired on WNKT 107.5 The Game. That's the flagship station of the Gamecock Radio Network, and this sound comes to us courtesy of 107.5 The Game. Coach Elliott talking a little bit about his recruiting philosophy and what he plans to do in the short term for Gamecock football.
2: Well, you know, we took a, a week to reflect on our football team and see what uh, changes, make evaluations, see what, how we can move forward to better uh, better, you know, move ahead uh, for Texas A&M. Uh, we've been sitting here and we've had three good practices. Uh, our team's been, uh, you know, they've been coming off the, the win over Vanderbilt, That's so it. the spirits have been really good. We practiced Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and let them off right after a morning practice on Thursday. Uh, and now our coaches are hitting the road, heading out on the recruiting trail. So, So, you know, this gives us a chance to catch our breath, so to speak, after everything that happened the week prior and, uh, set forth some plans to move forward and make our football program better. The way my message is right now to our recruits is I'm the head football coach at the University of South Carolina and plan to be it, uh, for a long time to come. Yeah. I think you've got to make changes. I think every, uh, you know, head coach has to put their fingerprint on the recruiting. We've got some things that we've got to do differently here and get our message across and, uh, We've got to make sure that we can uh, get that message to them, uh, you know, more in a more timely manner, I mean, to, almost on an everyday basis every second with uh, the social media and the opportunities that we have to get out in recruiting. Uh, we've got to make a strong push, and we've got to make some noise here as Gamecocks. You know, the talent level in South Carolina is, is always very, very good. It's probably not uh, an abundant of talent when I say that, as in if you look at a Florida or Georgia, but boy, we have some great football players here. I mean, if you talk about the guys that I played football with, and then you look at the the players that we've recruited here at south carolina over the past that have been from this great state then you know recruiting this state is extremely important and uh you know that's what i'm doing this evening i'm going out and i'm making sure the, the high school coaches in this state know that uh our, our our passion is getting homegrown south carolina players first and foremost so i'm going to be making a couple stops tonight here in state like i said it's some of the greatest memories these kids will ever have and i just I'm just very fortunate to go out here and watch these guys and share with them in their memories. And I can't wait to see the state championship games here in Wheatons, Bryce.
0: So there's Sean Elliott talking about his recruiting philosophy and what he hopes to do for Gamecock football. And, you know, he's already begun working to that end. Started last week when he was named the interim head coach. So, Chris, let me ask you this. If Sean Elliott does not get the permanent head coaching position, what is the likelihood that he might be retained by the next New head coach at South Carolina, and if so, what kind of continuity will that give the program in terms of a recruiting presence? You know, somebody that's already been on the staff for a number of years. What are the chances that Sean Elliott might be part of a new staff?
1: It's a great question, one that comes up a lot. It's sort of difficult to answer because you have to consider who the who the new guy is going to be. So, you know, pick a guy. And whoever it is, you know, what does he think of Sean Elliott? Do their styles mesh? You know, do their philosophies mesh? There have been a lot of uh, very good coaches that when there's a coaching changeover, assistants that don't keep their jobs just because, you know, they coach a different style or, or whatever it may be. But when you look at the staff changeover, certainly I think you peg Sean Elliott as a guy that if a guy or two uh, has a chance to stay on, he would be one to look out for because of a lot of the things we've talked about you know he's got a good track record as a coach he's a passionate guy who's uh you know got a very good reputation as a coach but also players really like him you know he has the respect of a lot of players he's always been someone that sort of has relationships not only with his own position group but but other players as well you don't see that a ton And so that's something that uh, I think that's one reason why he's the interim coach right now is because, you know, a lot of the players respect him. Um, And he's also got, you know, he's recruited North Carolina. He's recruited South Carolina. So there would be some continuity. There would be some familiarity there. And I I think it's always a pretty good idea to, you know, when a new head coach is coming in, to to take a hard look at the staff that, that was there and see if you can pluck a guy or two, if they fit, Um, to establish some continuity and some guys that help out. And particularly, you know, what if South Carolina hires a guy that doesn't really have any ties to the Southeast? You know, Tom Herman and and Justin Fuente have come up, for example. Well, Fuente coaches at a Tennessee school right now in Memphis, but he's a Midwest guy. You know, he's coached in Illinois and Oklahoma, played at Oklahoma for a while. Um, These guys may be the type that want to look for some continuity, you know, hypothetically, if they got the job. Um, So I think it makes some sense. On that front, but it really just depends on on who the new guy is that's brought in. I think.
0: Right. It will depend on who gets hired, and then that person will evaluate. You know what Sean Elliott might be able to bring to the staff if Sean Elliott doesn't get the head coaching job himself the permanent position so Emerson Phillips and Chris Clark with you here on Gamecock Central radio you can get breaking news alerts delivered to your inbox just text USC to 42828 or go to Gamecock Central's front page text USC to 42828 and get breaking news alerts delivered to your inbox so Chris uh you know, obviously, if there is someone else that's hired to be the head coach, it'll depend on what kind of rapport, what kind of relationship that person has with Coach Elliott that will determine whether or not Coach Elliott remains on the new Gamecock coaching staff. But I really feel like the effort that Coach Elliott is making in these final few weeks of the season is going to benefit whoever the next coach is, whether it's Coach Elliott himself or if the Gamecocks go outside of the program and hire someone new. I think. Uh, reaching out to the local high school football community is going to benefit Gamecock football, no matter who the next head coach is. And, you know, my understanding, Chris, is that uh, there are basically three leading candidates right now, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that in no particular order it's Tom Herman at Houston, it is Kirby Smart, defensive coordinator at Alabama, and Justin Fuente, head coach at Memphis.
1: Those are the guys that are sort of perceived as the top three, and a a couple reasons for that. Uh, number one, those guys are hot names in coaching. Kirby Smart is an SEC guy, pretty uh, almost an SEC lifer. You know, coaching most of his career at he coached Georgia for one year, his alma mater, and then at Alabama, he's at Valdosta State too. But he's a Southeast guy. He's an SEC guy. Uh, considered a good coach, good recruiter. He's coached under Nick Saban, who obviously knows what he's doing. And so he's come up for, for several jobs in the past and is sort of biding his time looking for the right one. He's interested in a job. So naturally, he's going to be one of those guys that's perceived as, as you know, a, a top candidate. Herman and Fuente are going to come up for pretty much almost any job. They're hot coaching names. Uh, Fuente has proven himself in rebuilding Memphis, which is a very difficult job. Herman is a hot name because of his philosophy coaching under urban meyer the work he did last season you know taking a third string quarterback and helping them win the national championship um, he's not as proven but he's very intriguing and he's someone that south carolina likes so that's, those guys are perceived as the top three will that will it play out that way all the way until the end of the process i don't know um, there are certainly other guys that are on the radar there are other guys that could move up you know one of those guys could sort of get bumped down in favor of someone else uh at some point there are a lot of different names on the board it's it's very much an exhaustive uh, extensive national search and so there could there could be some other ones uh, those aren't the only three guys to know but uh, certainly those are the three that are discussed the most for, for a lot of various reasons.
0: Right. Ray Tanner obviously will have the final call here with input from many others. Chris, how many names have you heard? Just in conversations that you've had with people, how many different names would you guesstimate that you've heard could be potential candidates for the Gamecock head football coaching job?
1: Oh, shoot. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at this we've got to define candidate, Emerson. I mean, anybody at this point, that South Carolina looks at and they fit the profile, which again, is generally a guy who is younger in age, not always, but generally a guy who's younger in age, has a great reputation as, as an individual recruiter, has the ability to put together good staff, is a high character person, can deal with media, can deal with all the attention that comes of being an SEC coach. If anybody fits those profiles and their potential candidate or, or, or that person is a candidate. So, I mean... There are a lot of different names. I mean, you know, we don't know all of them, but, you know, 15 guys right, like, somewhere right. around there. I mean, we've got guys listed on our hot board on GamecockCentral.com that, honestly, we're not even sure if, if they'll end up being someone that South Carolina actually talks to or actually digs on, but they just fit the profile. And then there are other guys who South Carolina will definitely talk to, and they definitely are digging on uh, those individuals, so... um You know, I don't know if I could even give a set number because they're looking at so many coaches. Uh, It's going to end up being a lot at the end of the day because it seems like, and honestly seems like, almost every day, you know, a new name pops up as somebody that that could be a possibility.
0: Miami just fired Al Golden. What are the chances that South Carolina and Miami are interested in some of the same candidates for their head coaching positions?
1: I don't think they're going to intertwine that much. Um, Now... People have sort of, again, like I said, Fuente and Herman are going to get thrown out for almost any job, um, whether it's, you know, I, I don't think I've seen Fuente much with the Southern Cal job, you know, Herman has been, but that people look at Miami and say, okay, it's an open job, it's a pretty good job, and those guys are really good up-and-coming coaches, so let's throw them out there. I don't see either of those be- being the guy there. Fuente just doesn't seem like a fit at Miami whatsoever, and then Herman, you know, has been on record talking about the fan support at Houston. I cannot see him going to Miami where their fan support has honestly been abysmal lately, um, even when they've been fairly good. So uh, I don't see those guys being in the mix. Could could some other ones, maybe, but I think at the end of the day, Miami is going to end up looking at uh, a guy or some guys that aren't really on South Carolina's radar too much. I mean, for example, Butch Davis has been throwing around for the Miami job. I, I don't know if he'll if he'll end up getting it, but he's not a candidate at South Carolina at all. You know, Mario Cristobal. Um, I think he's a he's a good young coach. Could could South Carolina look into him? I, I don't know. Maybe he's a young coach. He's been a head coach before at a very tough job at FIU, but he's a guy that would seem like a natural fit for Miami because he's you know he's he's been there. He knows Miami. So. Um, I think at the end of the day, they're not going to intertwine all that much. There may be a few names here and there that come up for both jobs, but the the, the honest assessment is right now South Carolina is a better job. Um, right, that, that, you know, it's an SEC job. They can pay more money. They have better facilities. They have better fan support. Just almost everything about it makes it a better job.
0: That was going to be my next question. Which is the more attractive job? Which job has the higher ceiling right now? So you went ahead and answered that. Appreciate that. Chris, last week, Mark Slayball with ESPN.com ran a story on that website saying that Kirby Smart, he felt like, was the perfect fit South Carolina and we know that Kirby Smart has spent a long time learning under Nick Saban working with Nick Saban at Alabama he has recruited the Southeast extensively you talked about the importance of new energy new effort into recruiting for South Carolina Gamecock football and I'm wondering how you feel is Kirby Smart a perfect fit for South Carolina and how much of a concern is it to you that he has no head coaching experience
1: That's a great question. Ideally, you'd like to find a guy who is familiar with the Southeast or can really hit the ground running in the Southeast and has head coaching experience. Um, One of the guys that I always like to go back to is, getting slightly off track, but look at Urban Meyer at Florida. Now, Florida, certainly because of Steve Spurrier, had some tradition when Urban Meyer arrived. They had titles. They have a recruiting base. They had a lot of things in place that make it easier. doesn't mean it was an easy job because other people have failed at it. Um, but Urban Meyer, he wasn't a Southeast guy. Er- everything he did was, you know, Midwest and things of that nature, and he came from Utah. And he, the only coach that he uh, held over from the Ron Zook staff was Charlie Strong, which was obviously a good move. But he brought a lot of coaches who were, you know, Northeast or Midwest guys with him as well. They're, but they did a really good job recruiting, obviously, and a very good job coaching so you just have to look for the right fit. You have to look for a guy who's going to be able to recruit and then evaluate and develop talent. And so I think the reason that Kirby Smart is sort of a hot name is because he definitely knows the Southeast. I mean, he's got a lot of ties in high schools in Georgia and Alabama. His dad, Sonny Smart, was a successful uh, high school coach in Alabama. Um, he, he knows a lot of coaches in those areas. He's regarded as a good and personable recruiter himself, and you want a, a guy – as your head coach who can be personable, whether it's recruiting or dealing with media, any of those things. Um, He's regarded as a good coach. Now, people get too caught up in how good a a coordinator a guy is. You know, as a head coach, there have been a lot of head coaches, several head coaches that are very successful that didn't have coordinator experience. Um, That's not something people need to look at as much. Um, But his ability to build a staff, we don't know who would be on that staff for sure. But hypothetically, he's got a lot of coaching connections and he could bring, uh, you know, a good staff with him. Hypothetically, with some guys that know the SEC and could really hit the ground running very quickly on the recruiting trail and get get some talent into Columbia that's needed. Um, And then on top of that, he he is coached under Nick Saban. So he knows that process. And would he do everything just like Nick Saban? Probably not. Um, but he's definitely learned some things about how to run a program. And, and let's face it, Sabin's program at Alabama is a pretty good model. So I think there are a lot of things that, you know, make him really intriguing. Now the concern is, yes, he hasn't been a head coach. And that's always a risk. Anybody's a risk, even a head coach who's had success, you know, say in another situation or in another conference. But a lot of this is about taking what a guy is, what he's about, and then putting him in into your situation and projecting whether or not he can be successful.
0: Chris, I know we've got a lot of football left to be played in this 2015 season and a lot of variables at play here when we're talking about the possible next head coach at South Carolina, but how, just off the cuff, how soon after the end of the season do you think we could have a selection and an announcement of the next Gamecock head football coach?
1: Well, ideally, South Carolina wants to have something in place in early December, so I think you'll see... Some type of movement pretty shortly after the Clemson game, whether it's, you know, interviews or, or just some type of movement, uh, formal interviews, for example, or some type of movement. But, um, you know, it's difficult to put an exact stamp on it. But early December is sort of what's been pegged even publicly by Ray Tanner. And that's a good bet. I mean, who whoever it is, as long as you're making a sound decision, they're not going to rush it just because, you know, for the sake of getting a guy in. But they did get a head start on this thing. So if they can get it done early December, that gives them two full months of recruiting, uh, basically, including time to get out on the road in January and, and, and go meet with prospects during the contact period leading up to signing day um, to give you a chance to talk to your current commitments and, and go after some new guys. And so that would be absolutely ideal for South Carolina. And I, th- I think they'll have a good chance to, to be able to get that done if they want
0: Yeah, critical next three months for Gamecock football, uh, not only for the 2016 class, but recruiting for the years to come as well, so the next three months will be very important. Chris, I know that the Gamecock staff, Sean Elliott, and the rest of the remaining Gamecock staff uh, went to work last week trying to shore up 2016 commits, and obviously Brandon McIlwain, the quarterback from Pennsylvania, headlines that group, so... You know, what are the chances that some more current Gamecock commits may drop off? Or, how, you know, how, what are the chances that Sean Elliott and the rest of the Gamecock staff are going to be able to keep these kids coming to Columbia?
1: Well, I think a few of them are sort of wait and sees. There are a couple guys, for example, that were, uh, you know, planning on taking visits uh, even even before this happened with Steve Spurrier. For example, Marlon Character and J.J. Givens, a couple deep defensive back prospects. You know, they were looking at making other visits anyway. So does this help? Probably not. Um, but both of them are going to probably stay in the saddle and just sort of see what happens as time goes on. Um, you know, other guys, you know, Ja'Cory Morris, the linebacker from Alabama, he, he says he's solid, but some of his family members, even before Spurrier's resignation, were on record about him, you know, staying closer to home. Um, so is that a possibility? Maybe. Um, there are some other guys, you know, C.J. Freeman and Lloyd Cushenberry and offensive lineman Freeman, a running back, that have said they may take another visit. Um, but they're staying committed. So I think it just caused some, obviously, some concern for some of them just because they're not sure what the future is. But I think a lot of those questions are going to be answered whenever a new guy is brought in and, and everybody can see where things stand. And it depends on what, um, you know, the, the, these commitments think of whoever the new coach is. With McElwain, he's got a lot of things tying him to South Carolina. His dad went to South Carolina, his grandmother still lives in the area. He wants to play baseball and football, and he's got a great chance to compete in both immediately next year. So – um, you know, there's reason to feel pretty good about hanging on to him and, and some other guys in the class, but it's just going to sort of be a wait-and-see on a lot of them.
0: Outstanding, Chris. Uh, good talking with you. Uh, and Obviously, we're going to have plenty more to come on this topic and a lot more Gamecock football as we move into a bit of a crossroads period, I think, for South Carolina football. And Again, great talking with you. Appreciate your time. Let's do it again soon.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, Emerson.
0: All right. I'm Emerson Phillips. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Emerson Phillips. We welcome your questions, your feedback, your input. Chris, give us your Twitter. Handle? It's
1: GC Chris Clark.
0: GC Chris Clark on Twitter. We appreciate you. Good to be with you. Thanks a lot. All right, Chris Clark. I'm Emerson Phillips. Thanks for joining us here on Gamecock Central Radio.